0: I wonder if you've ever thought to yourself, I need to see that before I believe it. There were plenty of you here today who needed to see those animals in those boxes before you believed that they were really there. I wonder if you've ever thought that, I need to see that before I believe it. Or I wonder if you've ever thought to yourself, show me the evidence. Show me the evidence. I wonder, for example, if anybody's ever said to you, oh, I saw this amazing thing on TikTok the other day. Or I saw this amazing thing on YouTube the other day and you said, I cannot believe that's true. I need to see it for myself. And it wasn't until you went to TikTok or to YouTube that you found it and you believed it. I wonder if anybody's ever said to you, oh, there's this great cool new game out for the Xbox. You should see it. And you say, oh, I don't believe it's that good. Show me the evidence. And then you've played it and you thought, oh, wow, that's amazing. Or I wonder if ever you've been told you should go and see something, like like maybe something spectacularly beautiful, and you thought to yourself, it can't be all that they say it is. A few years ago, Uh, We went, Ruth and I went to uh, Austria and somebody said to us before we go, oh, I know where that, that part of Austria that you're going to, you should go and see this amazing lake, it's called the Hintersteiner Sea. You should go and see the Hintersteiner Sea because the water is so crystal clear and so blue, it's beautiful. And you've got all these mountains and all these trees, it's the most glorious alpine setting. And I said, oh, I'm sure it's fine, it's a lake, I've seen lakes before. And then we went to the Hintersteiner Sea, and it's gorgeous and fabulous. And we really believed what those people had been telling us. We were talking about this in our office this week, and one of the little people who was around with their parents in the office this week said, Oh, I know something like that. It was Disneyland for me. They said, it wasn't. Everybody told me Disneyland was going to be amazing and big and huge. It was going to be this fabulous place. It wasn't until I went... That I really understood wasn't until I'd seen it with my own eyes that I really understood what it was like. And then one of the other people in her office said, "Oh, it's like when I took my daughter to Wembley for the first time this week. Like we'd been to football stadiums before, but it wasn't until we went to Wembley that they realised how amazing and huge a venue is for eighty thousand people to sit in." I wonder if anybody's ever tried to convince you of something that is true and you haven't believed them. Many years ago now, I was playing uh, sport with some friends of mine, and one of them fell over and said, oh, my arm really hurts. And this person who'd fallen over was somebody who used to kind of complain about illnesses and injuries all the time. So we kind of fobbed them, oh, yeah, yeah, put a bit of water on it. We got a sponge with some water on and sponged the arm down, and said, you'll be fine, carry on, stop being uh, such a wimp. And anyway, we said we sort of carry on, and a bit way later on, he said, no, no, this really hurts. And we said, oh, he said, I'm going home. So we said, oh, fine. The next week we were like oh we were like, oh, he's just you know, being him, that's what he always does. The next week he showed up with x rays showing the break in his arm. And we didn't believe it until we'd actually seen the evidence, seen the x rays. I wonder if you've ever had an experience like that. I wonder if you've ever said that kind of thing. You know, we are invited to believe things all the time. If you're in a relationship, if you're a a parent uh, of children or your children and you have parents or carers, people who look after you, if you're in a marriage relationship or any kind of relationship at all, if you've got a a friend or whatever it is, you're invited all the time to believe that that person loves you. There's no way to see it, right? Right? But you believe it, and perhaps you believe it based on the evidence of how they treat you, or how your relationship's been, or how many years you've known them, or whatever it might be. We're invited to believe things all the time. Every time we sit down on a chair or on a sofa, we're invited to believe that it's going to hold our weight. And that may be based on the evidence that's before us. Maybe the four legs on the chair or whatever it is. How many times we sat on the sofa before and it's never collapsed yet. So we're invited to believe based on the evidence. I have two chairs in my office as well as my desk chair. And I invite people to sit on those chairs all the time. And every time I do, I remember when I sit in my chair and look across to them, one of them's got a really wonky leg. So the evidence is that chair is going to collapse one day. So if you come to see me in my office, make sure you don't pick that chair. We're invited to believe things all the time. We have a men's group around here that are starting to do a whole load of outward bound activities. It's called Men Outbound or something like that. Mob, anyway, that's what it's called. And they're about to go kayaking in a couple of weeks' time, a few weeks' time. And they're going to be invited to believe that the kayak will hold their weight without tipping them into the water. As they step into those kites, they're going to be invited to believe that. And by the way, if you'd like to join, if you're a bloke and you'd like to join in, just let us know. Get on our website, find the Men's Outward Bound stuff, and you can sign up and be a part of that too. We're invited to believe things all the time. And some of the things that we're invited to believe are pretty trivial, really. Not very much is going to happen based upon that belief. But some things we're invited to believe can change everything can have a huge impact on our lives. But sometimes believing in something, sometimes responding to that invitation to believe in something can be really difficult, or we have doubts, or we're looking for more evidence. And I wonder if that's true about faith. I wonder if that's true about there being a God. Where's the evidence? I wonder if you've ever asked that question when you think about faith or you think about God. Where's the evidence? How can you really expect me to believe in something that you can't see? How come you're inviting me to believe in a God who I can't see? Where's the evidence? And maybe if you're not a Christian and and you've been brought here today and you've come because it's Easter Sunday and somebody's invited you. Number one, you are so welcome. Maybe you're online with us, and you've kind of stumbled across this YouTube video, and you're wondering what this is all about, and you say, look, I'm not a person of faith. I don't believe this God stuff. Maybe the reason why you don't believe it or haven't believed it, maybe you've been invited to believe it before and haven't done, is because you're saying, well, where's the evidence? Show me the evidence, can this really be true? And you've heard us already this morning singing songs about the resurrected Jesus, and you're saying to yourself, I can't believe that's true. That sounds like a fairy tale to me. Where's the evidence? I wanna see it before I believe it. And maybe if you would call yourself a Christian, maybe you've been a follower of Jesus for a while, but you have doubts and fears sometimes about your faith, about this Jesus that you're following. Maybe something happens to you in your life, or has happened to you in your life, and you say, where is God in the midst of all of this? Where's the evidence that God loves me like he says he does? You know, doubts about faith or questions about God are entirely natural. And I think there is really good news. And the good news is that we are not alone in our doubts and our fears and our wishing we had evidence. We're not alone. We're not alone in our struggle sometimes to place our faith in God. But you know, the really good news is, doubts and fears are not prohibitors to experiencing and encountering and even knowing God. And I know that to be true, and I can say that with confidence this morning because of the story we're gonna talk about today. You know, when uh, my wife and I were thinking about having kids, you do that thing, if, you, if you've had kids you know this, where you start thinking about names. You start wondering what you're gonna call them. And uh, you know, I really, if we'd had a boy, I really wanted the boy to be called Thomas. Because Thomas is one of my favorite characters from the story of Jesus in the Bible. And I really wanted to call my kids Thomas. The problem is, we had some great friends, some of our best friends, and they had a child just before we had our first child, and they called him Thomas, and we were like, that's going to get really confusing. So we had to go back to the drawing board with names. They'd stolen our favorite name. I don't know whether they know that story, by the way. They go to another church, and I'm just wondering if they'll catch up with this sometimes. Anyway, I'm godfather to their son, Thomas we his godparents, which is amazing. Anyway, as it happens, we had two girls. So that went by the by and wasn't a big deal anyway. But I would have loved to have called a son Thomas because Thomas is my favorite character from the story of Jesus. And just before we get into the main story I want to tell you about Thomas today, I want to kind of give you a little bit of pre-background. One of the first times we come across Thomas in the story of Jesus, Thomas is being moody and grumpy and cynical. And actually, before we get too judgmental about that, he had good reason to be, by the way, because Jesus said to his friends and followers of whom Thomas was one, we're going to head back to this place, this region called Judea. And Judea was a really dangerous place, and it was a really dangerous place for Jesus to be, and people wanted to get him there. They wanted to arrest him and kill him in Judea. And so, But Jesus says, no, no, we're going to go anyway, and Thomas is not a big fan of this idea, And they're having a bit of a grumble and a moan about going back to Judea. And then Thomas says this. He says, oh, whatever. He might not have said whatever, but I'm adding, exaggerating a little bit. He's kind of like, oh, whatever. Let's go with him. We can die with him anyway. And I love that about Thomas. Oh, whatever. Let's go. We'll just all die together. It'll be okay. So Thomas is a bit of a cynic. He's a skeptic. And today, the story that we're actually going to look at today is a time where Thomas wants evidence. Thomas has doubts, probably fears, about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, and he wants evidence. And this story, and we know about Thomas, by the way, because one of those other friends of Jesus, those first friends of Jesus, his followers, a guy called John, who was a witness to so much of the life and indeed the death of Jesus, John wrote his account of the life of Jesus, and it's in the New Testament part of the Bible, and it's an eyewitness account to events that he'd actually seen. And we know about Thomas because we have John's eyewitness account in the New Testament part of the Bible. And this is the story that I want to tell you about. So this is in John's account of Jesus' life, chapter 20. And it starts like this. Now, Thomas, here we come across our friend, also known as Didymus, which means twin, by the way. So Didymus is like the Greek version of Thomas's Hebrew name. And it means twin. So Thomas was, uh, was a twin. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, Jesus's first followers, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. So Jesus has risen from the dead. He's appeared to other uh, followers. Not to grumpy old Thomas, though. Not to cynical old Thomas. Hasn't appeared to him. By some sort of coincidence, Thomas isn't there when Jesus appears to the others. But they come to Thomas... And they say, we have seen him. We have seen Jesus come back to life, risen from the dead that first Easter 2,000 years ago. Now, how would you have responded to that? And be honest, right? Because we have a spoiler, right? We know the end of the story. So it's easy for us to judge Thomas. It's easy for us to say, oh, come on, Thomas. You should have believed it. Jesus told you it was going to happen. You don't believe it. Why don't you believe it? But we know the end of the story. Imagine you're Thomas. You don't know the end of the story. You haven't seen Jesus. People come to you and say, look, we've seen Jesus risen from the dead. Come on. You're kidding me, right? You're kidding me. I think many of us might have responded the same way Thomas responded. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Unless I see the wounds from Jesus' crucifixion, from his death on the cross, I will not believe that he has risen from the dead. And again, we might want to be harsh here. And poor old Thomas has been given the nickname over the years, Doubting Thomas. I think that's a bit unfair, really, because I think poor old Thomas is like the rest of us. This is why I love him so much, by the way, because I think this is me. This is what I'd have done, right? No, that can't be true. It's too good to be true. It's a fairy tale. That can't possibly have happened. So before we be too harsh, Thomas is being invited to believe the most amazing thing in the entirety of human history, That somebody has been killed on a cross and has come back to life three days later. And that's what Thomas is being invited to believe. And Thomas says, that just feels too difficult for me. I can't get there. It feels too unbelievable to me. Unless I see the evidence, I can't believe it's true. What happens next? A week later, so Thomas has got this all going on for a week, by the way, I just... I, sorry, this is a complete aside and it's not in the Bible, so this could well not be true. I just imagine what happens for the rest of the week. Like, come on, Thomas, do you believe it today? No, no. Oh, come on, Thomas, today, surely. No, I don't, no, leave me alone. Anyway, that's exaggeration. I don't know what happened, but it's just the fact that we're told it's a week later just intrigues me. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Here comes Jesus now, and Thomas is here now. And Jesus uses a very standard greeting from the time, Peace be with you. And then, again, we don't know this, but this is kind of how I imagine the scene. Jesus is looking around the room. There's a few of them there comes in, peace be with you. And then he sees Thomas. I don't know, he might have been in the front row. I just imagine Thomas being somewhere at the back. Everybody else believes it's all true. Thomas is like off to one side and they're all muttering about him. Oh, he doesn't believe us. So Thomas is over to the back somewhere and Jesus just comes wandering over to Thomas. This is how I imagine this going. Jesus comes wandering over to Thomas. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Stop doubting and believe. Not only can Thomas see Jesus, but he can touch the marks on his hands from his crucifixion. He can see the wound and touch the wound in his side from where the spear was thrust into Jesus when he was on the cross. And by the way, a a more literal translation of the original language that John wrote this in would be this. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. I like that. Thomas, don't be unbelieving. Be believing. You know, these are words of challenge from Jesus to to Thomas. Be believing. But they're not unkind. I don't think they're unkind. But they are delivered quite directly. Stop your doubting, Thomas. Thomas and believe. Don't be unbelieving. Believe. So I don't think they're unkind, but I think they are words of challenge to Thomas. I'm here now. Look, the evidence is in front of you. Stop your doubting and believe. And then we go on. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. I think this is amazing, and and these are not to be brushed over. I think these are some of the best words post-resurrection of Jesus. My Lord and my God. They're not words of astonishment. They're not even words of praise and worship. They are words of confession. This is what I now believe to be true, says Thomas. My Lord and my God. And by the way, in John's account of the life of Jesus, this is the first time And Thomas is the first person to directly attribute the word God to Jesus. He's the first person to directly attribute the word God to Jesus. And I think that's amazing that it would be Thomas, with all his doubts and his fears and his grumpiness and his cynicism, would be the first person in John's account of the life of Jesus to recognize and say to Jesus, You are God. I see that now. And I love that because of what John wrote for us, we have a front row seat to watch the most outrageous skeptic and the most cynical person about the resurrection of Jesus uttering the greatest confession of Jesus as Lord and God there may have ever been to utter these words of confession that Jesus has risen from the dead. That dour and dogged disciple who suggested that they might as well go with Jesus, even if it was only to die with him, who didn't believe when all those other people told him that they'd seen the resurrected Jesus, he is the one that says these most powerful and amazing words. I love that. And that tells us something about God, and it tells us something about Jesus, that even in the midst of our doubts and our fears, even in the midst of your skepticism and your cynicism, if that's true of you, you can still meet with God, God still wants to meet with you, God still wants to know you, and Jesus is there for you. If you've ever had any doubts, if you've ever found yourself cynical, if you're exploring faith and you're not really too sure about what all of this goes on, if you're afraid to believe sometimes, if you think the whole thing's just a fairy tale, if this story doesn't help and encourage you and challenge you, I don't know what will. Because I love this story and I think there is no more fabulous example of the grace of God meeting us right where we are in all of our doubts and our fears and our skepticism and our cynicism and our unbelief than the story of Thomas. And there can be no more explicit a recognition of Jesus than we could imagine. And no more appropriate response to seeing the evidence of a resurrected Jesus, of a saviour come back to life, Than this, my Lord and my God. And then, and then, from that amazingly powerful moment, it's as if then Jesus reaches out, reaches out of his immediate context, this immediate thing that's going on, and reaches through all the ages at all of those people who would come, the generations that would follow on, including you and me. It's as if in what Jesus says next that his mind and his attention now turns from Thomas to all people who would come, all of us who would come years and generations later. And it's as if he has us all in mind when he says, then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen And yet have believed. And again, it's not a rebuke, I don't think, of Thomas here. It's just saying to Thomas, you're in this incredibly privileged position to have seen me physically, in the flesh. What are you going to do with that? Because there's going to be generations of people after you who are not going to stand in a room with me physically like this. What are you going to do with that? And again, I don't know whether this is what happened or not. What I do know is this moment transformed Thomas from a cynic and a skeptic who didn't believe in the resurrection of Jesus to one who would go out into the world to tell everybody what he had seen and who ultimately would be killed for his belief in the resurrected Jesus. So I do know that, but I do wonder too if all those other people there that day There was a moment when Jesus said that, that they thought, we have to help people see what we have seen. I wonder if John was there, and John, well, John was there, but I wonder if while he was there, he was thinking this, I better write this story down, so that the generations of people to come, who didn't have the privilege of being in this room with us here today, will still be able to see, I need to paint a picture with my words, so that they can see the evidence of the resurrected Jesus. I wonder if Matthew, another of Jesus' followers, who was there, thought to himself, I need to write this story down so people can see what we have seen. You know, these are words of challenge to Jesus, sorry, to Thomas, that we have read this morning. They're words of challenge from Jesus, and I think they reach through generations to be words of challenge to us. Thomas was invited by Jesus to believe. To believe that he had risen from the dead. Stop your doubting and believe. Do not be unbelieving, but be believing. And I think they are words of challenge to us today. Stop your doubting and believe. Jesus, I think, invites us today, wherever we are On site here, online, wherever we are, whenever we're engaged with this, I think Jesus is inviting us to respond to that invitation to believe. But with every fibre of my being, I want to say to you, don't respond to that invitation on the basis of unsubstantiated rumours or blind faith or unfounded hope. Respond to that invitation on the basis of the evidence. Respond to that invitation because of the picture that we have painted for us by those who were there. We can see this happening because of the people who were there and the picture that they painted and the words that they wrote. Believe. Believe that Jesus was more than a man, a rabbi, a teacher, or a rebel. Believe that he was and is the Son of God. Believe because a first century follower called Matthew and a Greek named Mark, a friend of Peter, who ran with Peter to the empty tomb that first Easter Sunday, believe because they wrote down the stories of Jesus that they'd seen with their eyes, and they wrote them down so people would remember. Believe because a doctor named Luke Travelled all over the world, listening to the stories of people who had seen Jesus and encountered Jesus and wrote those stories down. Believed because James, the half-brother of Jesus, who was as sceptical and as cynical as Thomas was, who was very rarely to be seen during the ministry of Jesus, who was nowhere to be seen when Jesus was crucified, who didn't believe that his brother was the Son of God. I mean, who would, right? Right. Can you imagine your brother telling you that they were the son of God? How would that go? But then James met his resurrected brother, and it changed everything. Believe, because James went all over the place, starting churches in his brother's name. Believe, because ultimately James was stoned to death because of what he believed, because of the change when he met the resurrected Jesus. Believe because Peter, the one who had denied even knowing Jesus, wrote letters to churches established not long after Jesus had gone back to be with his father, telling them about what he had seen. Believe because John, an eyewitness and a friend of Jesus, wrote the stories down. Believe because John was there, a bystander and a witness to all of this. Believe because he wrote it down so we can see. So we have the evidence and believe because we can find life when we respond to that evidence. You know, all of those people, James, Peter, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all of those people would want us to know they didn't believe it either, right, to begin with. It wasn't like they were all standing around the tomb on that first Easter Sunday morning waiting for Jesus to come out. They were nowhere to be seen. They weren't expecting a crucifixion and they weren't expecting a resurrection, That all changed when they met Jesus. I wanted to invite us all today to believe, to stop our unbelieving and to start believing. And I want to invite two different groups of people to respond today. If you'd say, look, I'm already a Jesus follower. I'm already a Christian. I've responded to this already. I believe it to be true. I want to ask you this question. What have you done with this lately? What have you done with the resurrected Jesus lately? What new mindset have you adopted because you believe Jesus has risen from the dead? What new habit have you engaged in in your life? Or what habit have you broken because you want to follow the resurrected Jesus? What brave move have you made to live in the light of the Jesus who gave his life for you? What of those things have you done lately lately? Because Jesus invites our belief to turn into action. And then I want to say, if you're not a Christian, if you're exploring faith, once again, we're so pleased that you're here and we're so, you're so welcome with us at ABC. But I want to encourage you to respond potentially in two ways. First of all, we have this great course called Alpha that's starting in a week or two's time uh, of an evening, a Tuesday evening, I think, in the week. And it's an opportunity to gather together on Zoom with some great hosts and people from our church who are just fabulous. And they would love to host you as you watch some video stuff together, just introducing you to the basics of the Christian faith. We'd love to invite you to join us for Alpha, to explore these claims in more detail, to ask all the questions you've got, express all of your doubts and all of your fears. You would be so welcome. And to sign up, all you have to do is go to our website, uh, or you can follow the QR code that's on the screen right now, and that'll take you there, and you can register for Alpha. But the second response I want to encourage you into today is maybe right here, right now, is the time to start your believing. Right here, right now. Maybe you've never believed this stuff. Maybe you've had doubts about this stuff. Maybe you believed it once and you've gone away. But you want to come back. You want to stop your doubting and believe and respond to those words of challenge from Jesus. I want to encourage you to make this Easter Sunday your step, that bold and brave move, To say yeah I want to follow Jesus with my life the one who rose from the dead I see the evidence and I believe it's true well if that's you I'm gonna pray a prayer and I just love you to pray it in your mind and in your heart with me as I pray it and then we'll pray the prayer and then I'll tell you what your next step can be and how we can help let's pray God thank you that you love me Thank you that you want me to experience the fullness of life that you have to offer. Thank you that to show me your love, you sent your son Jesus to earth. Today, I want to accept the evidence, not on the basis of blind hope or unsubstantiated rumor, but on the basis of the evidence. And I respond to your invitation to believe in the resurrected Jesus and to take that step, amen. I wanna say if that was you today, then we would love to get you started on your journey of faith, your journey of following Jesus. And we have packs for you that we'd love to give to you today that have some resources from us, a Bible, that kind of stuff where you can read those stories yourself just for you, just for you. So if that's you and you prayed that prayer with me today, I'm gonna be right down here at the end of the service. Just please come and see me. I'd love to give you that. and would love to just start that journey of faith with you. Start that life-changing experience and encounter. Why don't we all stand? Stand with us if you're online as well. And by the way, if you're online, if you drop us some details, there'll be a link to follow in the chat. You can register for that pack too and we'll get that to you as well. Lord God, we thank you We thank you that the evidence points to a resurrected Jesus. We thank you that we have eyewitness accounts. We thank you for the story of Thomas, who's just like most of us. We thank you that he saw Jesus and he believed. Thank you that we do not have to believe on the basis of blind faith or unsubstantiated rumor, but we can base it on the evidence of a savior risen from the dead who changed everything. Amen.